let's put your hands together. That was an amazing worship experience on this morning. God is great. He is greatly to be praised. He is definitely worthy of the glory. I think you turned me all the way down now, so just a little bit more would be good for me. Amen. Well, good morning, church. I am glad you decided to join us this week as we continue in our series, Word to the Wise. Do me a favor. Um, just make sure. Okay, that's better. All right. As we're closing out the series, I'm sort of sad a little bit. I have been enjoying the Proverbs so much. Um, hopefully, you have been taking some time as well. We need to turn the lights up. Thank you. Hopefully, you've been uh, enjoying this as well as we've been gaining insight from the book of Proverbs and some other sections of scripture. So we're ending today's series by talking about another important part of our lives. Now, some of us in this room are married. Some of us are not. Some of us desire to be. Some of us do not. But either way, as we talk about marriage today, I do want to preface this sermon with this statement. The principles that I am about to share with you on this morning is about wisdom in all relationships, even though I may highlight at certain points the marital context. Amen? So it's interesting because when I think about marriage and I think about um, my beginning to this wonderful union uh, that I have enjoyed for since November 24th, 2001. So that'll be 22 years coming in November. And when I remember the, amen, glory to God. And when I remember the beginning of this journey, I remember how at first it started off with me being so excited that after the long wait, God had revealed to me my mate and I joke with this with my husband all the time about how when we met February of that same year and we got wet November in that year, when that limousine door shut, this feeling came over me, what have you done? It was a feeling of terror and fear. And I don't know if people talk about that because you think about all the romance and how everything is going to be so amazing and the wedding and the, the romance was amazing, the wedding was amazing, the, the groom was amazing. All those things were true, but I recognized that I had just entered into a new dimension. And a feeling of solemnness came upon me as I recognized that I was heading into territory that I had never been in before and that I was going to have to learn. That's the one thing that we forget. It's like we pray for God to bless us, to take us to new levels. But the one thing you've got to remember, and the, my reference point has always been, anybody ever played Candy Crush before? I was a one time a Candy Crush addict, thanks to my children who asked me to help them clear a level and then I started on a binge that I couldn't get off of myself. But I remember that feeling of being excited about going to the next level, but realizing that when you got to the next level, you don't know anything about this level. Hopefully, what you've done, though, as you went through the levels previous, was built a certain set of skills, knowledge, 
wisdom that will be useful to you as you learn how to navigate in a different territory. That's why we want to be so strategic as we conclude this chapter in this series about making sure we have gained the wisdom, making sure we have learned the knowledge, making sure that we have received the instruction because all too often we're just in a hurry to be able to check the box and say, we've done it. But if you've done it, but you didn't get it, you'll probably be doing it again. Amen? And so marriage can be a beautiful thing. The Bible talks about the church in terms of the believers being the bride of Christ. Our own marriages are meant to be this kind of reflection, one of sacrifice, one of unconditional love, one of true union. Today, I want us to gain some wisdom in these areas from God's words. And there are three things I'm going to point out for you today, and then we're going to be done. Three things. Somebody say three things. So turn with me, if you would, to the book of Proverbs, chapter 12, verse 4. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. One will be provided to you. We do have a house Bible and once you get to Proverbs chapter 12, verse 4, if someone would just say what page we're on so that anyone else who's trying to find this in the house Bible will be able to. Amen. So we're going to page 317. 317. In Proverbs chapter 12, verse 4. If you have it, say amen. A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness in his bones. Now, upon reading this verse, it may seem like husbands are off the hook. The writer talks about the wives as if he's speaking to them only. However, the mindset behind this statement is applicable to both men and women husbands and wives. And when you do a deep dive, this word virtuous is translated from an original Hebrew word, excellent. Excellent. Essentially, the writer wants us to see that the type of character our spouse has will be a crucial piece of our life. The one characteristic that simply must be present in our marriages is that of self-sacrifice. This is, as we probably all know by now, the way of Jesus. <coughs> he says these words in John 15, 13. Greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. Those we truly care about, we will sacrifice for. Those we truly care about, will sacrifice for. 
Now, I want to let that marinate with you for a moment because I promised you that this was going to be applicable across the board in a lot of different contexts, marriage included, but not excluding others. Think about that for a moment, the willingness to make sacrifice. The reality of sacrificial love is that no matter what the situation, this love will be helpful to the other person involved. For instance, in the case of Christ, his sacrifice made a way for sinners like you and me to be made right with a holy God. He has given us the ability to now choose to follow him. But it is extremely hard to achieve this self-sacrificial behavior in our own lives, in our own marriages at times, because you and I are naturally what? Selfish. People like the Apostle Paul knew this to be true. He writes this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. So we have to be told over and over again to put someone else first because our natural instinct is self preservation. Our natural instinct in most circumstances is I've got to look out for myself. And that may be something that proves to be very useful in a lot of different areas of your life. So it therefore does not come as a surprise that when you go to this next level, you have to make the adjustment in recognizing that it will not serve you well on this level. See, remember we talked about being careful because we've prayed for something, but then when we step into what we pray for, we want to be able to navigate and understand that it's going to require a different set of skills, a different version of yourself. You're going to have to do things a little bit differently. You've never been on this level before. And so maybe on the level you've been previously operating, operating with a view of self has not necessarily come back to bite you. But I really want to speak to you this morning because whether you are preparing your heart for going to another level because you believe by faith that God has something in store for you, whether you're already on this level and you feel like you haven't mastered already, being able to see that there's something else, something deeper, something greater that God wants to do in you. If we could all begin to apply what we have just heard out of Philippians 2, 3, it will lead to a thriving marriage. One of the ways that God showed me practically is if I just make my business concentrating on what it is that I need to do to help with my mate's happiness. What are some of the things that I can do that will make this person in my life that I value happy? Then his focus becomes, because we're a little bit competitive, so he's not about to make me, let me outdo him 
and making him happy. So that competitive works to our advantage because we're both trying to outdo each other and showing each other love. Can you imagine a marriage base where y'all trying to outdo? No, you're not going to love me more than I love you. Amen? I'm going to continue to strive. I'm going to continue to do better. I'm going to continue to put myself beneath because I want to elevate what God is doing in your life. One of the things that really humbled me in the early years of my marriage when my husband and I first started walking the walk together, I was still an attorney. And one of the things he used to do that was so surprising is he used to walk to court with me and carry my briefcase. He would carry my briefcase and walk with me to court. I had a, t a radio show at one time called the Alicia Lytle Show. He would come to the radio broadcast, and while I'm in the booth with the, 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 the mic and stuff on, he would be on the other side managing the board. When people would call in with their questions, he would take the questions and screen the questions and put the questions on. He never felt like something was beneath him. He looked at ways that how can I serve you? How can I uplift you? How can I elevate you? How can I help you get to the next level? And then I, in turn, was thinking in the same, okay, well, what, is it, what do you need? What is it that I can do to help you? Oh, you, you're starting a new business? I can do your business cards. I can help you with your business plan. It was constantly, how can I serve you? What can I do to help you go to the next level? And what happened whether we realized it or not, was as each person was lifting each other up, eventually we both went to another level. Amen. Amen? This type of love, we must be willing to lay down our life for our spouse, showing that we care rather than just saying that we care. If we are willing to show it, it will remind us that as a couple, we are in the relationship together. Somebody say together. And the Holy Spirit is telling me to also insert into this. This meant not just in good times. I remember when God had to speak to me and correct me because early on in my marriage, I felt like this only worked if I was happy. So if I was mad, I was turning off all access to all benefits. That was going to be my way of punishing you. You could cook for yourself. You know, we didn't have kids yet. So if I'm mad, you, well, I ain't cooking for you. And so the Holy Spirit, that's why I love the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had to get me together and say, no, you're going to cook mad. And guess what happens when you start cooking for somebody and you're mad? You put that plate in front of them. And they take a bite and they say, oh, baby, this is good. And the next thing you know, you start softening up a little bit. Like, wait a minute, I'm still trying to be mad at you. Don't tell me this is good. But as you're serving one another, it becomes harder to stay in that anger and stay in that madness. Because now, because of the love that you're still demonstrating, even when you don't feel the love, come on, somebody. The commitment that you've made, even when you don't feel like it, I need you to understand that's going to take you to another level in life, period. 
You have no idea how hard it was for me to get here this morning. I haven't been feeling well. When I woke up this morning, I knew it was time to get moving. And I took a couple pills and I was like, just, I just need a little bit more time. And I closed my eyes and as I was getting ready to sink back into sleep again, next thing I know, I feel Pastor Charles nudging me. Just two little fingers just poking me in my arm. Now you have to understand how un unusual this is because he wakes up earlier than me during the week. And then on the weekend when I have to minister, I wake up earlier than everybody else. So normally he wouldn't even be woke. But God, since I wouldn't wake up, God woke him up and had him wake me up. And I just thought to myself as I laid there, if this was a regular job, I would call off. This would have been the day that I would have called in and told my supervisor, I can't make it today. Y'all ever had to call in and tell your supervisor you couldn't make it? This today, for me, this would have been that day. But somebody say with me, commitment. When you commit to the things of God, it will make you do what you don't feel like doing. It will carry you through. You will find yourself having the strength and having the ability to do things that in your flesh, you just can't even figure out how you made it through. And I, I've learned something about God that when we are faithful, somebody say faithful. When we are faithful to the commitments that we make before God, he has a way of rewarding that commitment. God rewards righteous commitments. And so even when we're not feeling like it, one of the greatest things I've noticed, and maybe you've noticed this, even when you're a, a parishioner, I remember there were times where I was just attending church and I didn't feel like going that day, but that was the day that when I pressed my way through, I heard something in the message that blessed my soul. That would be the day that when I pressed my way through and I got into his presence, I got a breakthrough. I just had to believe, God, that even though I don't feel my best, God, you are always the best. And you're going to, as I'm a willing vessel, show up in me and through me and still deliver to your people that which you need them to receive. You're not relying on me to feel good. You're relying on me to be obedient. You're not relying on me wanting to do it. You're relying on me being faithful. And if I would just be a faithful vessel, if I would just be a willing vessel, if I would just be an obedient vessel, you can do miracles through me. So number two, I promised you three points and we're done. And we're already on number two. Don't fall captive to comparison. Don't fall captive to comparison. If you still have your Bibles open, turn with me to Proverbs. We're going to go into chapter 12. And like I said, if you would, when we're done with this series, just go through all of Proverbs. You're just going to be so blessed. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 11 says, He that tilleth his land shall be satisfied with bread. But he that followeth 
Vain persons is void of understanding. What land is the writer talking about here? His land. The writer seems to be convinced that the only land worth our time and intention is what? Our own. But how many of us would admit that it's often easier for us to evaluate somebody else's land? Evangelist Sharon said, the grass is greener in their land. Sometimes it's the opposite effect. Sometimes we're so busy evaluating their flaws while ignoring that which needs to be worked on in our own marriage, our own ministry, our own jobs, our own children, our own fill-in-the-blank. Till our land focus on what God has given us dominion and authority over. It's too easy to redirect our focus on what somebody else should. Ooh, I don't see how they, what they should, they should do is, okay, what should you do? What should you do about the things that you absolutely have dominion and authority over, that God is entrusting into you. It is often said that as it pertains to marriage, no marriage is perfect. And if you've been married for more than 24 hours, I'm sure you will agree. And if that is true, it means we all have things right now that need refining. And yet, the divorce rate seems to continually skyrocket. And there are many who would rather scrap their current reality and start over instead of working through the issues that are in their land. Because somehow we feel in ourselves that we just didn't pick the right person. It's going better for so-and-so. I should have picked somebody that had more money. I should have picked somebody who had more of this. I should have picked somebody. We've got it figured out that if we just swap out, the scenario is going to change. One of the things that I remember I heard a preacher say a long, long time ago, and it has stuck with me forever. They talked about, you know, when we job hop or when we relationship hop or when we church hop and we just keep going to different places expecting different results, not realizing that we took the same us with us. I'm going to move to California, okay, but it's still going to be you. So unless you're willing to, remember how we started the series, we started the series saying that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We started the series saying that fools despise instruction. They don't want to be corrected. They know everything. And so if we want to be foolish and think that the way to fix everything is just change the external environment without making any internal changes, that's fine. But what we're learning from the book of Proverbs is it starts with us. It starts with us doing the work, tilling the ground, 
tilling our land, removing the things in us, in our relationships, in our land that we need to adjust in order to prepare for the harvest that we are praying to receive. The Bible speaks to this in a sense all the way back in Genesis chapter 2, just after God had formed both man and woman. The Bible says this in Genesis 2, 24. Therefore shall a man leave his, mother, his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Now, it's a funny story that goes with this that I experienced in my life, and I always tell my husband how I feel so bad that I did this. When he and I got married, I really, because I had prepared myself, and I had been preparing and studying the scripture, and I really wanted to be, you know, a godly wife. And so I really took seriously into heart that I was leaving my family and I was cleaving to my husband and that we were becoming a new unit. So when we left, we got married on the 24th. We left, we went to go on our anniversary, our honeymoon. And we spent the whole honeymoon just bonding and I was really trying, I mean, you just don't understand. Like I hadn't thought about practical things. There were little things like in order to charge things to the hotel, I had to write my name. And I had never written, written Alicia Lytle. And it was so hard. That L with the Y, I couldn't get the Y to loop right. I mean, I was used to writing Mick Dow. Get me, hear me clearly. For 28 years, I was writing Alicia Mick Dow. I had that down pat. And for the first time, I'm writing Alicia Lytle. And I'm like, ooh, this, this looks, like the last part looked raggedy. It didn't flow. I mean, I was just working on cleaving. I was working on adjusting. I was working on, I'm this man's wife now. I was working on, my name is Lytle now. I was working on what the word gave me. It didn't even occur to me to call home. When I got home, my mother was livid. She was terrified out of her mind. She hadn't heard from me in a whole week. She, was, she told me, she said, I almost called the police. She's like, I started to call the authorities. You know how many people get married, go on their little honeymoon, the husband knock you off on the side of the cruise and they'll never see the person again? You know, she was like, I didn't know what happened to you. You just met this man seven months ago. And I didn't, it, didn't click, it didn't click for me. I said, you know what, you're right, I'm sorry. I was focusing on cleaving. But yes, I was just taking it, you know. I told y'all I was real legalistic at first. It took me a while to, to loosen up a little bit. And I said, you're right, I could have called. I could have said, we made it. <laughs> We're on our way back, something. So Leah, don't try that, okay? Call me every night. No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. But it was ingrained into me that this two was going to become one. So if this is true, there is no way we can continue to try to work through our marital issues on our own. It is not a one-way street. We said in our last point part that both parties must 
be willing to self-sacrifice for the benefit of the unit, for the benefit of the marriage. But this only happens, friends, when we decide to invest time into our own marriages rather than focus and judging others. I saw this meme on social media and it was you know, supposed to be real funny and real cute. And it was like this lady running in her backyard um, and then the caption says, me running to go ask my best friend, have they noticed that so-and-so took down all the pictures of their husband on their social media profile to try to figure out if they got divorced? And it's supposed to be funny because it's supposed to be relatable that we are nosy and we follow other people on social media. And when we stop seeing them post the other person, then we want to know what's going on. And for me, it was like, okay, it's kind of cute, but it's, it's, it's only cute if you don't value marriage. Because honestly, my husband will tell you, when I see that, I start grieving. I start interceding. I'm like, oh my goodness, something ain't right here. Something's going wrong here. Something, if you start to sense that there's something going on, if you're going to pay attention to someone else's land, let it at least not be for the point of your entertainment or your humor. Let it be for the point of you interceding and praying that God will get the glory and that they will come through. But oftentimes, when we are not focused on our own land and we begin looking at what other people are doing and what other people are going through, it's to make ourselves of greater esteem because I'm doing better than them. They're, they're not doing well. Is that really our benchmark? Do we really get value? Do we really feel better by doing better than somebody else? Is that really the goal? Or is the goal to focus on our land and to do the best that we can do and hope that we can be some inspiration, some encouragement, and that we can come along some other people and uplift them and that they will do well as well? See, it's a different mindset when we are believers. That's how when we start to do well, then we start ministering to and mentoring other couples. Then you start coming alongside some other people who desire to have healthy marriages. If you're going to get in somebody else's business, let it at least be for the purpose of helping them to live their life the way Christ has intended for them to do. This comparison trap is real. And if we aren't careful... It will ruin you. It will ruin you. I've even seen some people compare their marriages and they'll be upset because they'll say, oh, look, look, you and Pastor Charles, y'all doing this and y'all flying to Miami and, ooh, last week y'all was in Orlando and, ooh, y'all getting ready to go here. And Okay, but see, they weren't there when me and Pastor Charles was living in a hotel together with four kids. Did you want to do that too? Did you want to go through the suffering? Did you want to go through pulling up and you don't have any, any electricity in your house and you're trying to figure out how you're going to warm the water so you can take a bath? So you only see the end, but you don't see the journey. You don't see the process. And that's why comparison is a trap because you may be comparing your middle with somebody else's ending. Hello, somebody. You may be comparing your middle, your beginning, with somebody else's ending and ready to swap wives 
swap husbands because you want to be somewhere else when all it takes is it ain't a different person. You got to be patient and go through your process. Amen. If you aren't married today, maybe you could think about the qualities God has given you. Things that when you come to your marriage, that when you bring it to the table, that you can help restore and grow together. I know a lot of times we get it set in our mind. We think to ourselves, oh, no, they better come together. They better come the total package. They better come with a house. They better come with a car. They better come. Well, do you have a house? Well, do you have a car? Are you the total package? I mean, come on, somebody. Let's be realistic. They may take some work, and you need some work. We are a work in progress. And the minute we stop putting expectations on other people that we don't even meet ourselves, you go ahead and measure yourself up against the expectations you gave for somebody else. Do you meet them? If not, you're not being realistic. We've got to be willing to let God be God. How about... And I'm going to challenge some people this morning because I really want you to catch this. How about we stop praying about the physical stature of the person we want to come in our life? I want her to have long hair, small waist, and pretty in the face. I want them to have some big muscles and green eyes. He got to have green eyes because I want my babies to have some green eyes. Come on now. Y'all know we have some specific stuff that we are laying before God. What if, what if we came to God and said, God, I want them to have a heart for you. I mean, you could make them, you know, decent on the eyes. I got to look at them still. But what if instead of me focusing on that, what if, God, you make him someone who pursues you, somebody who seeks you, somebody who chases after you? Because after all, I'm going to have to submit to this character. So I'm more concerned about this being somebody that I can submit to because I'm not trying to be in sin over them. I'm not trying to get in trouble with you over them. So I need them to be somebody who is seeking after you so that when I submit to them, I'm still in alignment with you because that's what matters to me. I have learned how to follow you. I love walking with you. I love being with you. Don't send me nobody that's going to take me away from you. What if we prayed a different prayer? You would be amazed how God will send you somebody who meets that criteria and since you weren't focused on the looks, will also exceed your expectations in that department as well. Amen? Oh, I ain't getting no amens today, but that's okay. God told me y'all weren't going to like this, so it's all right. It's truly a blessing to serve as a model of Christ's love for the church in our marriages. But we've got to know it doesn't happen overnight. Somebody say it don't happen overnight. Point three, last point. Last point. This entire conversation leads us to the point I'm going to share with you now. Don't be afraid to seek guidance. Don't be afraid to seek guidance. Pastor Charles, I feel like we should just call and send Bishop Blackwell 
a nice little card or something and just say thank you because we wore that man out our first year of marriage. I mean, we wore him out. I'll never forget this one time I wanted to get this car. And you have to understand how we talked about earlier how you have to make adjustments when you're on another level. And so in the level I was on previously, I'm an attorney. I'm very um, capable and independent. And now I am in a marriage and I am submissive and I'm not making decisions on my own. So that's an adjustment. And so as I'm in this marriage, I see this Toyota Highlander that I want. And they give me, I didn't even know they did this. They give me the car for a weekend use to let me test drive. So they gave me a weekend test drive. So as the days go by, I'm growing more and more and more in love with this car. This car is mine. This car is not going back. I love this car. Baby, don't you think I should get this car? No. Come again? What'd you just say? No, I need you to take that back. All right, hold on now. So you mean to tell me I'm in love with this thing and I can't keep it? And so I'm calling my pastor and I'm like, Bishop, I make my own money. I can buy this car and I don't need him to tell me otherwise. And Bishop was like, oh, yes, you do. He said, you don't know what God has in store for your life. So at this point, I was already ready to go because I needed a co-signer. And I had called my daddy. Remember this leave and cleave thing, right? Forget all that. Daddy, Charles won't give me this car. Can you come and sign for me? Yes, baby, I'm on my way. So I got it all set up. Daddy coming to co-sign. I'm getting ready to get this car. And I call my pastor. And then he didn't want to come giving me the word. And then he didn't want to stop me all in my tracks, mess up my whole little plan, and tell me that I need to be in agreement with my husband before I make and sign a contract in my marriage. What? Even though it's mine, even though I'm going to pay for it, even though it's in my own name, I got to be in agreement with him? I ain't even asking him to do nothing. He said, yes, because you are now what? Oh, so you mean I got to apply the word to my life? I can't just show up and quote the scriptures and be a good Christian. I got to actually do what this stuff is saying? I didn't know what I got myself into. And so I came to my husband with tears in my eyes, literally streaming down my face. And I said, I'm taking the car back. And the miraculous thing that happened is when I said that, he was like, baby, you can keep it. I was like, no, I'm taking it back. You said no, and I want to be submissive. And one of the things that Bishop had said to me at that time, he said, you don't know where God is taking you. So you may be able to do this on your own now, but you don't know what your future holds. What I didn't know then that happened several months later is I got pregnant. And guess what happened when I became pregnant? I came off of work. And I wasn't in no hurry to get 
back to work because this was my firstborn child and I was excited to be at home nursing and caring for and enjoying these moments. And I didn't have to worry about going back because guess what? I was obedient and I wasn't worried about no car note. That I wasn't gonna drive anyway because I wasn't leaving the house. Obedience is so much better. And I began to cut the, put the dots connected and understand, okay, God, you, this is not something you came up with just to take the joy out of my life. This is what you came up with to give me joy, that if I would learn to trust you, if I would learn to follow you, if I would learn to obey you, you have a plan, and I don't always understand why you're saying what you're saying, but as I continue to walk out your plan, I see that your plan was always best. Can I tell you, I'm so glad I took that car back. Now, since that time, just to show you how, remember I said there's rewards and faithfulness. There's rewards and righteous commitments. There's rewards in doing what God tells you to do. Now, I didn't took this little Toyota Highlander back but I can't tell you, I can't, it's not a day that I don't drive my car today that somebody don't stop me and compliment me on a Range Rover. Now, I don't say that to name drop. I say that to say there are rewards. Just do what God said do. You may not get it right now, but you will have peace because you did it his way. And then his time, he's going to give you something better than what you was asking for in the first place. And it will add no sorrow. The blessings of God. So the last scripture is Proverbs eleven fourteen, where where no counsel is the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. I found safety in the counsel of my pastor. I found safety in the counsel of my godly friends. I found safety in the counsel of people who believed God, followed God, and followed his word. There is safety for us as married couples. I always get worried, and sometimes you got to just think about that. It's not that you don't love your single friends anymore, but do you really need to take advice from your single friends on what you should be doing in your marriage? You've got to have wise counsel. You've got to have people in your life who are doing the things that you desire to do, and they're doing them well, and they can share with you and inspire you and teach you what God has shown them. First, God has provided himself. And we've talked the first week about how wisdom, understanding, and knowledge all come from him. Our fear our love for his word. We can't rely on a Sunday sermon to get us through the week. Amen? We can't rely on just this little 30 to 40 minutes that we spend every Sunday. We got to go back to his word. We got to spend some time with his word. And we got to walk with him to get wisdom and direction and clarity for what he's trying to do in our life. 
Then we have the people around us, the people who are in covenant with us, the people God has blessed us to have in our community. This is the very thing that I hope we take away as we wrap up this series. We've spent a couple moments each week talking about some important topics, and I would encourage you to revisit each of them, to spend some time reading them slowly and asking God to help you put them into practice in your own life. That was the whole point of what I wanted you to get as I shared my testimony, is that it's very easy to know the word, to hear the word, but you oftentimes need to be challenged to apply that word because sometimes you don't even see that there's a missing application. But as you are in community and you're accountable, and, you, and that's the thing that I also think is so blessed about that marriage is that we had accountability. We had people that we could turn to who would tell us right from wrong, even if we didn't want to hear it. I pray that we will continue to be able to do that for each other and to be in community and to encourage each other to follow wisdom, even when following wisdom comes at a price. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the wisdom that you are making available to us as we seek deeply to know your word. I thank you, Father, for giving us a challenge this morning to not just be hearers of your word, but to be doers also. And I ask you, God, to begin to shine a light in the areas of our life where we are not applying your word, we are, when we are hearing it and we are not putting it to work in our lives so that we can get the victory, so that we can be victorious and that we can testify about your goodness as you've heard these testimonies go forth this morning. God, I thank you for every test in my life. I thank you for every test in the lives of those who are listening. And I thank you, God, that we come through these tests victorious, that we get to the next level, that we graduate from where we are, and that you take us higher and higher and higher as we gain and grow in wisdom and knowledge and bring you glory. These blessings we ask in your holy and sacred name. Let the church say amen.